Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of Superhero Ethics. Friends, we're for the most part keeping to our bi-weekly schedule, but a show came out that is so important to me and that I really loved and I really wanted to watch and talk about, and my good friend Will Freeland, uh, Marvel Comics expert extraordinaire, who's been on this podcast a bunch of times, is back to talk with me. Uh, and we're probably going to do a number of different episodes about this show because it has topics and and characters that really just like echo through all of the things that I love. And I promise that will be, I can't say the last bad pun I'm going to make about Echo, but probably one of them. Hopefully it'll be the last one because there's really so much for me to talk about here. Let's talk about Echo. Uh, it just came out. Uh, my friend, uh, Will Freeland, has uh, watched it as have I. Will, welcome. Uh, say a bit about who you are. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Will Freeland. Um, I'm all over the place on the internet as Silver Dreamer, Silver with a Y. Um, I also have a podcast called Hype is My Superpower, me and Steve Storman, who's also been uh, on the pod, and also have had superhero ethics on our pod. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we talk about pr- primarily majority Marvel comics and uh, whatever comics. We, it's, it's kind of like a really fun book club. Just talk about That's comics awesome. that we read each week. I love that. I love it. And I love that you mentioned that, uh, the book club aspect. Um, we're actually be doing some book clubs here on the podcast that I'll talk about in just a minute. But let me actually just ask you first, straight out, Will, what'd you think of the show? I re- I liked it. It was it was fun. It uh they added so much <laughs> and that's totally fine. It's not a it's not a problem. Um the the very first scene of the show uh completely threw me off i didn't know what was happening um Mm -hmm. it kind of had eternal vibes for me (laughs) like just (laughs) what is (laughs) i was so confused but um i overall honestly i i had a great time with the show the um i don't think there was a single side character that i didn't like um the the humor was well placed and well timed um, it wasn't over the top and each character kind of had its their moment of like <laughs> um, it was captivating mm-hmm. I was binging this thing at like three in the morning and I was completely wide awake for it and um I it's it's worth the five episode sit down it, it was great yeah it really is it really is and for me as an amputee obviously this is a show that this is a character that really resonated with me that i was so excited about that i was so nervous about and it really hit on every cylinder and i'm going to talk about that a lot particularly and it, it is it has meant so much to me that i was able to kind of take this feeling of um you know i'm an amputee i'm seeing myself on screen i'm seeing the the issues i go with from like the the larger stuff but just the moment to moment stuff that most people don't think about i'm seeing that on screen and then being to go online and hear you know from deaf people from native people from from women from so many others who saw themselves in this um it's in many ways i kind of feel like this is a kind of a master class on intersectionality in terms of what we got in this show Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about all that but also it was I've seen shows that try to be like, we are going to be social justice and we're going to check this box and this box and this box, and they forget to actually be a good show. And this isn't that. Like, from the moment, like, the fight scenes are very well choreographed, the the history and background is interestingly done, all of the characters are engaging. Um, yeah, I just, everything about it, and I will admit, I've had some superhero fatigue recently, and even sure. some, I know... 
uh, hard to say to some some folks out there, but some Marvel fatigue. Uh, I yeah. haven't watched Secret Invasion. I haven't watched Loki season two. Um, uh, some of the other stuff that I'd seen was, uh, though I've heard Loki season two is pretty good. I just didn't like Loki season one. That's a, a whole other matter. Oh, well, um, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, I, more than anything, I think I walked away from this thinking the Marvel Netflix universe is back, you know, not that it's mm. quite the same. And I, I, we can talk about continuity in a minute because I think they made it pretty clear that this is not the same continuity as the Marvel Netflix universe, mm-hmm. but the tone of it. Kingpin felt much more like Kingpin than he did in the Hawkeye show. Yes. Um, freaking Daredevil was back, which I granted from a small scene, but I had no idea. Um, yeah, this just it felt like Marvel, like the spirit of the Marvel MCU, the Netflix MCU was back. I absolutely agree. I it's funny because, um, in and, and you know, the, the first like 20 minutes of the first episode is the one that has all of the like cameos outside of Kingpin has like the cameos and like the, the flashbacks and like the cool fun, Holy crap. It's Daredevil's kind of stuff. And, yep. um, that is exactly what I've been saying. Marvel's never going to do. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm so happy that they did it and just straight up proved it. It's like, they were listening to an episode of my podcast and they were just like, Oh, Oh, he thinks that. Okay, because I've always <laughs> said, I've always said that it's too expensive. There's no way they're going to spend the money on random cameo appearances for one scene like that to make the universe actually feel connected in each individual show. There's no way they're going to do that. But they did. They did. They brought in Charlie Cox. They did the. I mean, it was just showing the same scene from Hawkeye, but they had a scene with Jeremy Renner in, or a handful of scenes with Jeremy Renner in it. They, they, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the end, they had rocks on, on the gas station. Like they yeah. had these bigger universe name drops that for, for rocks on, it's not going to cost them anything, but they can have like, Oh, in this world, there are other things like having Kingpin um, invest in like this amazing tech for um for Maya to use and then for healing his eye oh like God. like you don't think of you think of kingpin you think money f- crime mob boss type stuff you don't think of him having the money to go and spend on tech and the fact that they had that and it's just like it doesn't even they don't have to explain that this eye patch with the blue light on it is super healing and all that kind of stuff and 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 like that's the world of the MCU and Marvel that I want to live in. Tony Stark yeah. is the only one that flexes tech. It doesn't have to be an Iron Man or a Spider-Man show to have tech that like shows the world is advancing in ways that we just don't in ours. And it's oh, so much fun. I loved it. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up because it hits for me in two very different ways. One is about Wilson Fisk that I want to talk about because to me that scene is essential for – understanding fisk but also because for me and i want to be clear i am a disabled person um both some mental stuff but also particularly physical in terms of my um my amputation uh deafness is not i am not deaf or hard of hearing and while there's a lot of overlap between deafness and disability a lot would a lot of deaf folks don't say that deafness is disability so i'm speaking about how that scene hit me as a disabled person. I'm not deaf, so so take all this with a grain of salt. And if deaf people have very different feelings about this, I'm happy to listen to that. But for me, that scene made me cry so much. 
first for all the king the kingpin reasons, Wilson Fisk reasons, but also because you've probably heard me talk about this. A lot of my fans have heard me talk about this. I and a lot of other disabled people are often very frustrated by if we appear in science fiction or fantasy, yes, the character might be disabled, but very quickly the science, the crazy science technology or the magic is able to basically erase the disability to a point where like, and that's an interesting story idea. But then at that point, the character is no longer someone that 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 person's life is no longer something that like disabled folks relate to in any way. And, uh, or like many of us, again, I'm trying to speak not in generalities, but just, but but these ideas I'm talking about are widely understood by a lot of other folks in these communities. And so like to have it where there is this incredible technology, but it's not technology to make her hearing because, you know, if you remember even in Hawkeye, she actually says to, um, to Hawkeye, like that he relies too much on technology and that's kind of a critique he has and that she clearly like she is deaf. That's who she is. She doesn't want to fix that necessarily. So what the technology does is to allow him to better communicate with her using sign language. Mm-hmm. And it is clearly like sci-fi technology, at least as far as I know, it's possible that someone's actually come in pretty close to inventing that already. And if they haven't, you know, go ahead and do it. Cause it certainly seems like it would be possible. Um, but so just seeing that moment to me, that felt like people who understand these concerns and issues are very involved in making this show because mm. it was, you know, it, to me, it's kind of like the difference between technology that would fix a person and it like fixes a, a word I'm using a huge parentheses because that's part of the point is that it's not people don't need to be fixed. Right. But like, you know, you could give someone like, oh, hey, your paralysis is fixed. You're no longer in a wheelchair or like if they gave them like their wheelchair had nanotech so that whenever they were at a step, they could like instantly generate a ramp. You know, like that would be like awesome science fiction technology that's about still helping a person who has the disability. So it just right. that moment hit to me on on that part, at least and I'll talk about the Wilson Fisk thing in a minute. But let's you just kind of respond. It was just like every time I complain about like Yoda dropping the cane and bouncing around and all this kind of stuff or like Avatar and all the ableism of that. Like, this is what I mean. This is what we want. Yeah, that was phenomenal i i like i thought it was just the uh, such a cool application of technology and i loved that they played it in a way that you could kind of hear the translation in um in fisk's ear as it was playing i loved that and then like as as soon as maya called him out and was just like you never even bothered to learn asl to communicate with me i it made me feel so guilty for being so excited about about having this technology and i was like wait no there there literally is and has been a way for them to communicate he just never put in the f oh damn oh no am i part of the problem it was like it just it spiraled for a good like 30 seconds while i'm trying to watch the show and i was like man that is really well done I, i i feel like they they pulled in and again like as you're saying Okay, I am not the I'm I'm not uh disabled uh physically. Mm-hmm. Um and I like uh I, I I don't, you know, I'm not hard of hearing other than like just have a thick skull, but like 
Um, so I don't know what it's like to be on the other side of that conversation. And from my perspective, it seemed like, and you've been saying this a couple of times, but like it's, it seemed like they really put in the effort to really tell this story from Maya's perspective as a deaf person. And like, um, you, you have your classic, um, I was a child. You shouldn't have let me go. But then the, you have the extended family being like, I was also in pain. Like, and there, there's that classic storytelling of like, whose pain was greater. And um, mm-hmm. the fact that we never actually had a conversation uh, means that you feel like I was never hurting. Um, but then there's these other conversations and story beats where only a, an amputee or a deaf person um would have this kind of conversation with people and that they like um they were able to do it and and weave it into the storytelling it felt like seamlessly that was that was so so impressive to watch as an able-bodied hearing person that was Mm -hmm. I, i loved it it was great yeah well and i really love what you brought up though about how she is like wait you know, you could see her being like, oh, my God, I'm so impressed and so, you know, honored that you've done – you've made all this effort to make all this technology. Although it's also very possible he's just like – you know, he just, you know, called up his friends at Roxxon sure. and said, hey, sure. do this, you know, or whatever. But also she called – like you said, she calls him out and says, but you haven't done the work. And I thought that was – to me, that was a moment that said so much about Wilson Fisk because what I noticed was – I'm mean, going to go through a couple of points here to as a larger thing, but uh, but I'll, let me start with this and see if you saw it the same way. I felt like the show made it very, very clear without any doubt that, yes, he is manipulating her. Yes, he is using her as a tool in his army. But his feeling of familial love towards her and like treating her like a daughter is 100% real. Absolutely. And the because one of the things I noticed was that like the first scene where we see them kind of really interacting as the story goes forward, not that's more flashbacky stuff, where she's gotten in trouble with the law. I think she was like stealing a motorcycle or something, and he shows up just like, you know, it's kinda of like you know, he hears about her in trouble and he goes to her in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and he has with him an ASL interpreter. Who clearly he to some extent trusts not to talk about the things that they're going to say. Now, clearly doesn't trust entirely, as we learned. She does not come <laughs> to a good end. But part of what that told me was that he had already thought about this, and like, I I don't think that he is the. It's not that he said, "Oh yeah, she's deaf, but I'm going to forget about that and not really care much about it." I think he very clearly had gone to great lengths to say. A member of my family is deaf. I want to make sure that I'm able to deal with that and to communicate with that at all times. But also the way just the way he approaches the world is not I am going to like take time away and sit in a classroom and learn, but I'm going to throw money at this problem and fix it. Yeah. And and to me like you know more about the character from comics, but from what I've seen in just the the, the MCU shows that felt like a perfect illustration of who Fisk is. Oh yeah, um, I mean, so uh, so the MCU 
for all of its grandioseness, is much more down to earth than the comics. Um, yeah. And and the the way that they go about problem solving, even though it is otherworldly sometimes, um, is a lot more practical. And the the where I'm going with this is literally just yesterday I had a conversation with my wife about um, oh if we had money the, the what we could throw like there there are problems in our lives that you can just throw money at. <laughs> And you don't have to worry about it. Yep. Like plumbing. I don't know plumbing. I'm not going to put in the work to learn plumbing. I'm going to throw some money at a plumber to go and do that yep. for me. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, and so like Fisk's – and then and that's another freaking parallel between me and Fisk that's stressing me out. But like he's he saw <laughs> – you know, he, he adopted this uh, young girl who is deaf and an amputee and – Instead of learning how to ASL, he throws money at the situation, gets an interpreter. And then down the line, he has more money. And so what more money, what can more money do? Oh, throw in an interpretation contact lens and <laughs> and a camera and a translator in his ear so he doesn't have to put in the work. Like it's it's what what can what problems can I solve with money so I can focus on the things that can't be solved with money? That's how I how I like to see the world and apparently that's how fisk sees the world and that's not how our hero say, <laughs> sees the world and and that's a problem for me <laughs> yeah no i get that well and i'm going to question the use of the word hero which is something we'll get to in a bit sure sure sure, 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 sure. This podcast. but like to me i also think about the scene that uh, you know when she's a young girl and he takes her and or he coming to pick her up from school and she wants to buy ice cream yeah. and the ice cream guy is like you know really rude to her and ableist and and you know clearly like really hurts her that scene was one of like the thing about fisk is particularly in the daredevil show particularly in season 1 it's like 51% a Daredevil origin show and 49% a Wilson Fisk origin show. Absolutely. Uh, a Kingpin. Because you man- he, Vincent D'Onofrio manages to make him so incredibly compelling and so incredibly sympathetic in ways where you're like, there are times in my life where I feel red hot anger and there's a part of me that wants to use my fists and go out and fix the problem that I'm seeing. And A, I'm not very good at fighting, so it would be a very bad idea. But also, like, I just think morally that's not the right thing to do. And, like, so when he gets out of that limo and it was just shot so perfectly to build the suspense and he starts walking towards that ice cream guy, I had this really uncomfortable mix of dread and exhilaration. <laughs> because I was so afraid of what he was going to do to that ice cream guy. Mm-hmm. And I so badly wanted to see him utterly kick the ass of the ice cream guy. Yeah. You know, and, and it's yeah. the like. It also, the way that they did that scene where he was so in touch with his emotions, it it felt like, oh, this is early Kingpin. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like the by the time we get to like daredevil season three that uh, i guess there's two there's two ways to think about it one it's like there's the experienced kingpin who he's going to um 
have more control of his emotions to deal with situations like that because you only ever see out quote unquote outbursts <laughs> um to mm-hmm. that degree seldom seldomly uh in the later seasons however it could also be said that this is a kingpin who is in control of his emotions until family gets brought in, gets involved yeah. because when matt starts messing uh, or poking fisk with about vanessa and stuff that's when he loses it so you see someone who is belittling and and disrespecting his chosen family. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna bubble up also. But it that that scene was um it didn't go where I thought it was gonna go. I like I mm. thought he was either just going to he was gonna make a statement to him, say something, yeah. or he was going to actually just kill the guy. And then for him to do that like I wanna keep my relatively innocent and and make a phone call and try to replace it and then have her show up and <laughs> just that was that that's her origin like that's her like kingpin yeah. queenpin origin story she goes and kicks him twice with her with her uh, <laughs> with her foot and it's just like oh my god <laughs> this is <laughs> literally i was watching it with one of my partners and as she goes over, like my partner says, this is way too dark for Disney, but I really hope she kicks the guy too. And then she went oh, no. kicks the guy too. And I was like, that's so because you're right, it's her origin. It's her and I think part of that also is like, you know, her like her her father had kind of like exposed her to some of that. But yeah, and I, I want to talk a lot about her character to be sure, but just because we started with Kingpin, for me it's that like I think you're right. It's that he's upset that he sees her disrespected, but more, even more so, I think it's that he sees the pain on her face. And, mm. you know, obviously this is a daughter, not a mother figure, but I think it really highlights that for Fisk, his central motivation is protection. He wants to protect the people he loves and cares about, yeah. which then becomes, and, and then we see in that brilliant end scene, becomes all the people of his city, you know? And that's a... To me, that's also where him and Daredevil are so is like, you know, you always hear about the superhero being like, this is my city and you can't do this in my city. Mm-hmm. And I think that's Fisk's motivation as well. Oh, is, absolutely. You can't, do, you can't do this to my mother. You can't do this to my daughter. You can't do this to my city. Oh, man. I, <laughs> yeah, that end credit scene is uh, uh, impressive. <laughs> yeah. L- last thing about that. I want to say, oh, I say this is a th- theory that I have and I'm wondering if you're feeling the same. I, for me, one thing they also did in this is to say, yes, these are the same characters, but this is a different continuity. This particular universe, and it may well be that like they've added now the other MCU Netflix shows to the official timeline uh, on Disney+. Plus. So it may be that they're saying that like in a different continuity, because remember, we're in the multiverse, so that all those other shows are canon, just not in this universe – but that this particular Wilson Fisk and, and Daredevil we are watching are not the ex- exact same ones from the other one. And, and the things that really stood out to me about that were it's very brief, but they show him looking at uh, that white picture, the one that he buys in Netflix mm-hmm. to uh, when he meets Vanessa. That one was horizontal. This one is vertical. And it's a little mm-hmm. bit different. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. there was just such an interesting change that felt to me like it was very specifically being like, no, this is not the same. Yeah. Exactly. Same story. but different. <laughs> yeah. And then again, yeah. the timing of it, his now doing his mayoral run when it already happened in those, uh, to me, it just was like, yeah, this is this is this is a different continuity. 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh man. So oh, go ahead. Oh no, I'm just I'm just thinking uh just thinking about the characters in the show. Um oh, yeah. they they, well, they did a lot with Echo. Um most yeah, of let's the talk with so, Echo. <laughs> uh so I guess to fulfill my role, because you bring me on to these comic-based sh- uh, shows to talk about the difference between the show and the comic, um, like, 98% of this is original and new. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, in the comic, so specifically, just from the very beginning, um, Ma- Maya is a Chakta, um, uh, um tribe. It's from the Chakta, Chakta, I think it's Chakta, is, how do you spell it? C-H-O-C-T-A-W. In the comics, she's Cheyenne. And I I think it's just because of where they decided to set the the show. That's not a big deal. Um, She's not necessarily um, very in touch with her um, heritage in the comics. And so what tribe she's a part of or what tribe she's from is not a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, this, uh, that like spiral power um, that has been passed down uh, through her lineage. That's not a thing. Um, in the comics, she has photographic reflexes, just like taskmaster. Um, and that's her only power. Um, and they get around. She is deaf in the comics. She's not an amputee in the comics, but she is deaf. Right. Um, but she's such a good lip reader that they just kind of ignore that as much as they want. Um, and so, like, if someone's talking to her in a mask, she can't understand what they're saying. What they're saying, but like, right. Um, and so, like, that's kind of the only time it really comes up is when people are looking away from her and trying to talk to her, and she's like. And so she speaks, so she's like, you know, she says, I can't understand what you're saying, you have to look at me. But, um, so as far oh, as, so like... She can, she can speak in the, she, yeah. uh, in the comic. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it's just like a, oh, hey, by the way, kind of a thing that doesn't get... It's, it's not part of her uh, identity or how people interact with her much just because... It's such a non-big deal because she's such so good at lip reading, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is. Um, uh, <laughs> just re- most recently in the comics, she became a host of the Phoenix Horse, which is a whole other thing, um, and she hasn't done a whole. She's been she's a side character. She's yeah. only been on. She's only been a title character, I think, twice. Uh, most mm-hmm. recently, like this last year, was Daredevil and Echo, um, and I, and she's been like she's been an Avengers, been on the new Avengers. You know, she was involved in Secret Invasion yeah. and this other stuff, but she's she doesn't have a whole lot of like primary screen time. Um, okay, and so they kind of had they kind of had a blank slate to work with for the MCU yeah. and bringing her in, um, and. Yeah, everything they've done so far has just been fantastic, but it's all very original. And I don't, I don't even think there's a character reference <laughs> for them to pull from as far as like uh-huh. this uh, Chakta legacy and stuff. Um, yeah, that that is completely original to the best of my knowledge. I mean, 
Well, my understanding is that it is original to the MCU, that it is not invented from whole cloth. It is actual Choctaw legend and things like that. And and to that extent, I am glad in some ways that this is new Mm -hmm. because the idea of Stan Lee or someone like that doing their version of – the character appeared much later, but like – Stan Lee doing Choctaw Legends in the 1970s does not strike me as a great idea. Oh, <laughs> God, like, no. Yeah, no, um, yeah. <laughs> Maya, Maya got introduced um, in the late, late 90s. Uh, yeah. So she, she's, a, she's a pretty new character. Yeah. But, like, when I started the show, and it starts with this, like, beautiful depiction of the Choctaw uh, creation myth, or at least the creation myth of humans – I literally stopped the show to make sure I was watching the same thing because with my thought that it was kind of be like referencing Netflix MCU and that it was based in Hawkeye, which was a very kind of like low powered show. Like Mm -hmm. everyone there is trained in ways, but I don't think anyone in Hawkeye really has superpowers such, such as we talk about them. Um, And so to start with like super mystical thing, I was like, did I watch start the wrong thing or something? Turned out obviously it did not. And I wound up really loving it because you said you got kind of the Eternals uh, vibe from it. I admit I watched Eternals once and have now mostly blanked it out of my brain. So it's very <laughs> possible it's the same. What I got though was um, some echoes of the – I'm going to say Atlantean because I don't remember the pronunciation of the – I think Adelon. Um, oh, uh, yeah. The, the the native the the group that is referred to as Atlanteans in Black Panther two, mm-hmm. um, who are also based very much in native indigenous communities, but of Central America. And what I really loved was that it it felt to me like, you know, like if you take like tribal myths from like Spain and tribal myths from uh, like you know Sweden, they probably are going to bear some connection to each other that's a lot more than like they would have to something from Japan, but they're still vastly different because they're on, you know, thousands of miles apart. Sure. This felt to me like it had a little bit of some of the same. And again, I'm not a visual person, so I might be completely making this up uh, or I was like projecting it, but it felt like it had a little bit of the same kind of idea in terms of the visual construction of it, but was still very unique and different, uh, mm-hmm. very, you know, to the, these two different, like, communities that that mcu is introducing that are are based in you know our own world's understanding of you know the 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 myths and stories from native indigenous native american communities and indigenous communities um so yeah i really liked that and i but i was definitely very confused i was like where are we going with this and yeah because i didn't i i didn't see it coming at all that echo would have superpowers and I really loved the way that they did it and this kind of slow build and the fact that they, the introduction of each of these different Choctaw legends, um, everything from the like, you know, uh, the, the creation myth to, Hey, by the way, lacrosse is a sport based in something from native Americans. Um, which by the way, I believe that in the upcoming Olympics, the Iroquois nation, uh, which has members of both American and Canadian citizenship are going to get, cause it's, but yeah, so this acknowledgement of like, yeah, it's not exactly lacrosse, but it's clearly the sport that our modern day sport of lacrosse was based in to the whole thing about the the light horseman and and the significance of the braid, which they never commented on. But, you know, they, in the film, they say, you know, 
braids were supposed to be for warriors and that's not for women. As the show goes on, Echo is wearing more and more of her hair in a braid Mm -hmm. until by the last big fight scene, or or actually I think it was when she comes to her family after, it's a braid all the way down. Um, It was just, I just loved it. And I thought the the way that they weaved her story into those creation stories and, and legends of her people was just utterly fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with, with her mom being, Oh man, it's just, and I actually kind of like that they didn't dive in. It's one of those things where it's like, were you paying attention? But, um, in the car crash, uh, when my, it looked like Maya was checking her mom's pulse but she did it with both hands and it looked like she was trying to heal her mom in the car crash, like right after the crash. Um, yeah. And then you find out, you know, four episodes later that that's the motion that her mom would do to do her healing uh, ability. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it just adds that extra little heartbreak of yeah. Maya trying to heal her mom and it's just oh man it, but but the the um where that was a complete tangent but uh bring in the her mom for the last like story to bring everything together as far as like showing different origins of the past um I loved the way that her mom was just like you need to be you need to be brave and it has you know the episode 1 flashback you need to be cunning like mm-hmm. the episode 2 flashback and just the the way that just in the the way that they chose to tell the story worked so f- almost flawlessly to um keep everything wrapped up into one coherent um book for lack of a better phrase yeah. um was was it was awesome it 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 felt like you actually had one team one good writer making one good season of a show and not like something if this had come out weekly i'd be so scared that by episode five uh something would have been like reshot or changed because of xyz feedback and ugh, just it was man it was it felt like a like a complete thought and they, and and I I hope that they feel like the showrunners feel like they did what they set out to do because it felt like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, no, I think it's very true. And I I know we've heard stories about that they released it all at once because Marvel doesn't believe in this. And I don't know the behind the scenes, but I thought it, it I thought it works much better because it's all as one. And again, mm-hmm. also that's a throwback to the Netflix shows that were also released all as one. And just one more thing on on her as well. I love that one of the things that is praised about her and is said this is something you embody from your ancestry is her ferocity. Mm. Because I think ferocity is something we often think of as a negative thing for a hero because it's about, you know, like Kingpin is ferocious. Like Mm -hmm. it's about like being able to almost kind of like berserker rage is what comes to mind from that, that. And so to me, it is still balanced with healing and the fact that she's she has two different opportunities to kill Fisk, or at least one to actually do it, one to try, and both cases she doesn't. And in the second one, she literally tries to heal him, um, which doesn't seem like it worked, which is something we'll talk about later, which was <laughs> curious. But um, yeah, I just thought that like naming her ferocity, but also showing that unlike Fisk, she can keep control of it, I think, was a really beautiful thing. Absolutely. So is she a hero? 
She's a Netflix hero, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. which is so different. Um, I don't know. It's I have I have trouble calling most title characters in the MCU heroes if you use the definition that they don't kill, because most of them do, and it's usually unnamed bad guys. So, mm-hmm. or let's uh, just say unnamed hired thugs and terrorists. So, I. How do you define a hero? <laughs> um, so it's interesting. I, I've never heard that definition before, and I would say you're, I, I don't think there's a single superhero I've ever seen on screen who doesn't kill um, just because I don't think that they understand how bodies react to the massive concussive forces <laughs> that even like Batman's fists do. But that's another thing. I think mm-hmm. for me, the way I would define a hero – and we've done whole episodes about this. It's a very complicated topic, but in a, if I had to use a brief rubric, it's – are you using your powers and your powers can be superpowers. Your powers just can be your fighting ability. Your powers can be your money or your political influence, whatever. But are you using the power that you have to protect the things that are personally relevant to you, which can be yourself, your family, the people you love and care about, or are you doing it in a more altruistic way to protect like people? Are you working to protect people you don't know? Basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, like, I I think that most of the Netflix people are heroes. And I think that's kind of the thing for Jessica Jones is when she's the most reluctant hero of them. In some ways, Nick Cage. But when she goes from, like, I'm just going to, like, look out for me and my sister to I'm going to look out for, like, others, you know, and she's so grumpy and reluctant about it. But that's when she becomes a hero. Whereas, like, Punisher to me never become because Punisher is always about his own personal revenge quests. Right. Um, and I love his character to be clear, but I just don't think he's a hero. Um, I think he's a villain <laughs> in a lot of ways in the MCU at least. Um, but to me, I feel like she hasn't quite crossed that line. Like she kind of protects all the people at the, uh, even there, like it's her family who protects everyone else at the powwow. And I admit, I don't really know why Fisk wanted to like, kill all the people at the powwow and that's a whole other thing um i think it was mostly just to like cause a disturbance so that he could get to echo but um yeah i think she's she is heroic in many ways and she has great power and she uses that great power and she resists killing her enemies when they're you know not in the middle of a fight which i think is heroic but yeah i think she's still very much a gray character who heroes can be gray but like i don't know where she's gonna i I think she's gonna be my sense is that she will be an antagonist to Daredevil and mm-hmm. maybe by the end take like – I don't know if this is actually a comparison that people have drawn before, but I could see her very much becoming the Catwoman to Daredevil's Batman. Oh. You know, Catwoman is never quite a hero and in some ways you're like, Batman, do you treat her more like a villain – less like a villain because she is – like you think she has a purer heart or because she looks so good in those tight leather pants? Um, and similarly about the writers, but like, you know, she takes hero turns, she helps Batman, but often for like, all right, fine, I'll help you kind of reasons. And yeah, so I don't know if that's a comparison that's been made before, because I know her and Daredevil have relationships in the comics. I I imagine she will wind up teaming up with Daredevil in some very reluctant way against Kingpin in the show, kind of like Elektra does, but I think she will remain some kind of, um morally gray not quite heroic figure yeah um yeah so i guess to the comic book nerd 
the the knee jerk reaction is like, uh, no, that's Electra. But um, right. That doesn't mean you can only have one Catwoman to your to your Batman. So that's totally. I, I was fine. gonna say, God, <laughs> God forbid that uh, uh, Marvel have numerous characters who play similar roles to each other. Yeah, heaven, heavens, heavens forbid. Um, uh, I yeah, I guess the way I see it is like she had twenty years of this very dark bringing upbringing under under fisk's rule quote unquote versus her like eight years on the chuck donation before her mom passed so and you can't undo you can't you can't overweigh those first eight years compared to the last 20 in one visit back home <laughs> so yeah. i th- i think uh the first step is embracing her lineage and how she was um uh descended from the first um i think i think i think that that chakta's name was chaffa yeah she is directly descended by chaffa embracing that and then using that as your compass to hopefully become a hero but yeah i I don't think she's there yet which i believe chaffa is also her mother's name and it's supposed to be very significant Oh, I think I thought her mom's name was uh, uh, Taloa. Oh, you might be right. Okay, I I certainly could have missed something there. I know the the first episode title is also Chalfa. Yeah, the which, first episode. episode yeah, so each episode's Maya. name I think is the name of the um, the flashback character. So Chaffa, oh, Loa, gotcha. okay, Tuklo, yeah. Taloa, and then the fifth episode's name and is then Maya. Maya. Yeah. 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 And I, I did love how they did all that. Um, clearly, you know, people have gotten the memo that generational trauma is what we want to see. And and <laughs> like seeing the scene, her her scene with her grandmother where, you know, again, I think this is more of the Netflix w- what it does. Although I think like some of the Disney shows, other Disney shows have done this as well. Like they didn't have a here's why I felt this way. Here's why I felt this way. Tearful reunion, you know. I think the grandmother is clearly wrong and does a horrible thing by kicking out her, her son-in-law and her daughter. Yeah. But also the pain, the pain she feels is like, I have not lost a child. I can only imagine what it's like, but it's not like, I think, Oh, she must be a monster. I, I can very much emotionally understand where she was coming from and all. And the way she is both defending it, but also showing with all this guilt how wrong she was, and the way that Echo isn't willing to just forgive that at first. It felt mm-hmm. very, very real. Um, I just thought they just, just everything about the family was so well done. Yeah. All the characters were interesting. Um, so let's, again, there's so much we can talk about, and I think we're going to do more episodes. And I will say on the MCU cast, which is um, part of the Stranded Panda Network, uh, which I'm a huge fan of, used to be a part of, they're doing episode-by-episode coverage. Definitely recommend people check that out. It is phenom- it's going to be phenomenal, I'm sure. Um, we're not going to try and do that, so we're not going to go through everything. But I wanted just to kind of move back to this conversation of representation and the like and talk a bit about um, what it was like. For there, There's great people who are talking about uh, deafness in the show. People were talking about native native representation in the show. Uh, the Choctaw Nation, like they specifically say, was very involved. There's a lot of Choctaw and other native creators who've been talking about this. 
I want to talk about what the show was like for me as an amputee and, and the larger question of representation. And I want to start by asking you, actually, Will. And as I say this, it feels like I'm setting you up. There's no right answer. To any perspective you have, go for. But I'm curious, what, what is your feeling about representation in, sh- in these kind of shows? Um, I... So, okay. Blanket statement. I love it. I love that we... That they... It, as the non-represented, um, a, me- a member of of the uh, that isn't represented in some of these shows, um, I love seeing the posts, the random suggested uh, posts that sh- they sent my way either through Facebook or through Twitter, of people um, being moved so much by seeing their representation. I I would say so. I'm African American and. Um, I feel like classically African Americans are the only ones that get that like, oh hey, we've been represented here. Um mm-hmm. and so like when Black Panther happened, it was a big deal, but like it didn't feel like such a big deal to me because we've had representation before. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we we have our Blade and Wesley Snipes and we have our famous black actors that have done amazing things and have all these accolades and accomplishments. And so um, it's like, cool. Yay. Black people. Cool. But, um, <laughs> but then uh, getting, seeing this representation for um, deaf people and amputees and the wave of excitement that um, flew across the internet during Hawkeye. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, because I I feel like with especially with Hawkeye there was like there's two different kinds of deaf representation with Hawkeye trying to uh, struggling yeah. with his with his um, hearing aids versus Maya just fully embracing the fact that she's deaf and she's and right. not that she can use hearing aids uh, uh, being born deaf and becoming deaf I think are two very different things um, as far as your relation I, to I think deafness actually, I don't know for sure but my memory is that. Uh, he he's better described as hard of hearing rather than actually deaf, but I'm not, and that's not sure, connected to yeah. birth. But like, and I yeah yeah and I, I, yeah I, not being that's my guess. Hard, I don't know. We're both yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, but I do appreciate the distinction. So, um, and and seeing how excited people were about because there are there have been amputees, um, like if you watch like Agents of Shield, um, Slingshot. Uh, got lost both of her arms and they, you know, they gave her um, bionic arms. And then Misty Knight is another famous um, arm amputee that almost every single time it's replaced with something that's a high tech replacement and it's an upgrade and not a, this is the real world application of what would actually happen. And for them to keep it for Maya, it, being uh, someone who's non-amputee, I think I appreciate it. And, like, I don't want to say it's novel because I don't want to, like, trivialize the impact. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I really like seeing it um, initially. And then I go to the internet and and people are just loving it. And and um, I've seen, like, posts from you and other and other people saying, you know, as an amputee, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And, and it's, that's... So exciting to me. I love that. Um, the same way that, like, um, 
representation of um, homosexuality like on Schitt's Creek versus Mm -hmm. other gay couples in other shows where like it's a plot point and it's a and it's like they they embrace it in a way that's a comedic way and and it in Schitt's Creek it's just natural it's it they're not uh praised for for being together in public and all this other stuff it's just it's just another relationship and so when and I think that's the goal for representation of just like we're not basing the story around this um, uh, situation for the characters. Just they have it, and uh, for Maya, she uses it uses her uh, metal foot in ways that mm-hmm. <laughs> people with flesh feet cannot, and that is that's what you want to see. And yeah, it it felt pro, pro so tip. exciting. Tying for up me. someone, but. Pro tip, someone tying someone up by the ankles when they have a prosthetic foot, bad idea. Because <laughs> we're kind of Mr. Potato Heads in that regard. <laughs> no, oh, I'm, man. I'm yeah, totally, it's so much fun. I, I love it. I'm totally with you. And for me, I mean, it, it made me cry numerous times because I got to – and I, I had that already with Echo from Hawkeye. There were just a couple of moments. And there were – I'm not going to go through everything, but I want to go through some of those moments of, of how how it affected me. I also want to say that while um, I am an amputee, and I think you're right, a lot of other amputees are, are feeling similar to this. Uh, I should also say, like, a terminology issue, um, there are people who, in the same way there's, like, deaf and hard of hearing and the exact definitions, amputee, I think, is often used as a catch-all phrase for people who use prosthetic legs. Mm. That's not actually accurate because some people are born without a limb yeah. uh, for whatever reason. In the same way someone could be born deaf, they will often still use a prosthetic leg. They are not technically amputees. Right. Um, I think I think the term that is – well, that we looked this up. And the ter- two terms that I saw that are used most often, one is limb deficient, which is utterly awful. And talk about like okay. super ableist, like you're not what it should be. So the that, other that doesn't is, sound right. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, the other is unipod or uniped, which oh, – oh, um, wow. Is fine. And like, you know, uniped versus biped. Um, sure. My understanding from Latin that I studied – 25 years ago and never got above a uh, B minus in. So it could be wrong is that for the singular, it should be pod, not ped, but it could be wrong. Personally, I prefer monopod or monoped instead of, instead of uniped because then it can be shortened to moped. Um, But that's just my own thing. Um, (laughs) I know. Sorry, bad jokes. That's what you're going to get with me. Um, I will though say like, so I'm going to speak from that perspective, but it's not a univocal community. Like, I, I posted a couple things online about this already, and in one conversation, there's someone who's also an amputee who's like, ah, I hate representation, blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't want to see myself on screen like this. I don't need that. Uh, granted, this person also thinks wokeness is the worst thing happening to America. So we're not okay. really seeing things the same way in a lot of ways. But I, I want to acknowledge that that's another amputee who feels differently about this, and I'm sure he's not alone, or they're not alone. I think he, but who knows? It's a Twitter person. Um, so with all those caveats, the first moment that I knew, yes, this is going to be honest to my experience and to the experience of other amputees, uh, for the leg amputees, uh, people whose arms, obviously, and that's a, a different thing, but I think related. She gets out of the hospital and she and her father are getting ready to go to New York because the grandmother is kind of kicking them out and saying, like, you're not welcome here. And she doesn't have a prosthetic leg yet because, like, 
when most people lose their leg in a traumatic accident of some kind, like sometimes it's an amputee and it's planned, like with diabetes or something like that. Mm-hmm. Even there, though, I think it can still take a while to heal. But especially if it's a traumatic accident, it can take weeks or months to the point of like any contact on that part of your limb is possible. Because mm-hmm. often they need to do like skin grafts or muscle grafts or other things like that. So when like Misty Knight gets this badass prosthetic arm two days later, it makes for a cool story. And don't get me wrong, Misty Knight's an incredible character, but that doesn't speak to the to the like amputee experience. At least not it's an arm. It's not my experience. But like I think a lot of people at the time said like that's it's not realistic. Sure. So the fact that she's leaving the hospital, it's probably been like a couple of weeks or at least a week or so. And her stump is still fully bandaged up. She does not have a prosthetic leg. I was like, yes, that's it. The fact that her um, grandfather, who's clearly very good at machinery and stuff like that, but is not a prostheticist himself, and is certainly not like a Tony Stark level inventor. Yeah, when she breaks her prosthetic because it gets stuck, which is a very real thing and can certainly happen. And when I saw that, I was like, if that prosthesis is fine, I'm going to be so mad, but it clearly wasn't. And she was like limping on it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then they make her one that again, it's not a perfect fit. She has to limp some. And because it's going to take time for him to fix this and to do it right. Um, all of those things. I was like, yes, this, this is what, this is much more accurate to the amputee experience. Uh, certainly the leg one. Um, and there were times where she can do things with her leg that I absolutely cannot do with mine. And like the combat, like the way my leg fits, it fits pretty well. But if I start to do like lots of kind of crazy footwork things, like the hold between my leg and my stump is not perfect. And it's going to start to wiggle around some Mm -hmm. and, and be a problem. And certainly if I like impact it in very hard ways, it will, like it could come off or certainly it will, um, you know, become loosened and, and, or, and also be very painful to me. And certainly if I drop from a height and land on it, um, I tried rock climbing, but granted this was like 10 years ago and I've prosthetic technologies advanced a lot, but I tried rock climbing 10, 15 years ago and I dropped like five feet and it was incredibly painful because it was like, mm. you know, um, you know, and, and I think the one she has has much better shock absorbers than than the one I had back then. The one I now have has shock absorbers that are better than my cars. Um, but still, <laughs> I, for me, I imagine it would be painful and difficult. But the fact that it is literally a an actress with her own prosthetic leg doing those things. Um, and you mentioned before that she's not an amputee in the comics. Awesome part of the story. They were looking for a native deaf actress who also could do fight scenes. And as it happened, the one they found was an amputee. And so mm. instead of trying to like always keep her in pants or something like that, they were just like, fine, our character's an amputee now as well. Right. Which is just yeah. like, talk about wonderful representation. Like there's the intentional, like we want a deaf character, so we want a deaf actress. But oh, hey, the actress has an amputation, so let's just make that part of the character as well. That's also just awesome. But, you know, and from all the interviews and things that I've seen... I am convinced that for the most part, some stuff's probably an exaggeration because fight movies are always an exaggeration of what physics can actually do. You know, um, even Bruce Lee, you know, used sometimes wires and stuff like that for the incredible scenes. Sure. Um, I believe that's how certainly many martial arts movies do. The, the point of all this being 
the fact that it was Alakwa Cox doing it, and I think I'm pronouncing her name right, and if not, please let me know, uh, fans, uh, told me that I could trust that these are things that a person with a prosthetic could do. Um, and it, but it's funny also because I, at first I was wondering, like, does she have a very different, like, does she have it like really strapped into her leg? No, the, like, um, I think you've seen me. I just have a rubber thing that fits on my stump and it has a pin at the end of it. And then the pin plugs right into my prosthetic. Mm -hmm. And there's one moment where it's half a second and you might miss it, but she puts her stump into her leg and it doesn't click immediately. And she has to kind of adjust and push her leg down again. And I was like, that's, that's my experience. I've seen that. So mm. yeah, I just thought all those stunts, all that stuff. Yeah. Some of it's MCU movie making magic and that's fine. Cause they do it with everyone else, but there was never a time where it felt like that's, that doesn't fit what an amputee could do. What a person with a prosthetic leg could do. That's awesome. I, I really like hearing that. The, <laughs> what keeps on standing out to me is the silhouette of her fighting um, Daredevil. And she, like, holds her foot and then just, like, builds up tension and lets it go. And just, oh, like, slams so it down on, on Daredevil. It's just so cool. <laughs> that was – that moment just made me cheer so much. Uh, and And – yeah, because I've definitely had, like, I, again, I'm not a martial artist by any means. Uh, and that's not because I'm a prosthesis. Uh, you know, it's just because I'm, I'm not in great shape and I've never uh, studied martial arts. But, yeah, that scene, it was just, all of it was just exactly what I wanted to see. So, yeah, so happy about that. But, man, um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. It really was. Uh, we've got about an hour already. Uh, we're going to do a quick bonus section for our members. And by the way, uh, if you haven't thought of becoming a member, this is a great time to do so. It's only $5 a month, $55 a year. You get access to ad-free content. You get access to bonus content. As I mentioned, we're going to be starting book clubs, definitely for Star Wars Universe, probably for superheroes as well. Once a month uh, episodes that will be only for members. So definitely check those things out. Please become a member. It's a great way to support us. All the information is in the show notes. Uh, but before we wrap up... Uh, Will, any other last things you wanted to bring up or talk about or any of the last, like, plot points or characters or, or story beats we haven't gotten into? There's or just one... comparisons with the comics. Sure. So, okay, I guess I have two two observations. One, I, I don't feel like cutting break lines works as amazingly well as, like, every single mob show does. Because... I, I refuse to believe that from when someone gets in the car to when they get hit, the first time they hit the brakes is when they're trying to <laughs> to stop at a, at, a, a, at a traffic light. Like, even when you first turn the car on, your foot's on the brake. So, like, I just... <laughs> And it's it's not an echo problem. It's literally just a generic story storytelling problem that yep. just stands out to me every time it happens. And that was like my least favorite part of the show because it took me out of it. But <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I I don't. I've never cut brakes on a car. I've never had a car. I've never driven a car with brakes. The brake line cut. So I don't know if that's accurate. But it just it feels weird. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's one thing. And then um, when I think of Echo, there's two designs, uh, design aspects about Echo from the comics that stand out to me. One is she has a white handprint um, that she uses, like, uh, paint on her face um, uh, mm. that's, like, part of her, like, putting on her costume, quote-unquote. Um, 
And that is an homage to when her father died, he left a bloody handprint on her face. And they did that in Hawkeye slash the flashback of the show um, uh-huh. where he like had her, his hand on her face and it like left blood yeah. stains on her. So I loved that. But then also her dad and then also her costume going forward had this like um, circle triangle um or mm-hmm. triangles in a circle that is um, part of it's on her costume in the comics. And then her dad has a tattoo on his right shoulder. Um, and then it was worked onto her vest and then also her, um, her outfit that her grandma uh, made mm-hmm. has that same design. Um, and I, have zero familiarity with the uh, Native American ties to that. But like uh, mm-hmm. when I think of Echo, I think of that circle triangle right. design. And I love that. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> and I love that they had that in there. And it's, it's like yeah. my favorite part about Echo as a character. <laughs> I, I need to take a quick, I want to respond to that, but I quickly first need to say, I want to point out to everybody that if you're looking for a uh, great podcast about comics by people who really know their comics remember that will started by saying he doesn't really know that much of it like echo is not like the one he really knows that well and that level of detail that you just pull from memory like is just like yeah sure you know like listen to this man and his buddy steve talk about comics on the hype is my uh, superpower podcast it is phenomenal they go so deep they really talk about the kind of ethical questions we love but also just the awesome fight scenes they're very critical of things they're not just hype men for it uh podcast name notwithstanding definitely check out that podcast uh but yeah i just like it is now i guess just kind of a a point that all of these superhero shows have to hit and i wouldn't mind if every now and then we skipped it of here's the emotionally important story or just a funny story of how they get their first costume Um, but I did think that the whole story for this and like her grandmother making it and that's kind of reconnecting with her grandmother and the, the power there. Um, I have seen little things about it online from people talking about how, yeah, it is very authentic to, to the Choctaw community and things like that. And, uh, I can't, like you, I can't speak to it, but it was, but it was just, it was just so beautifully done. I will also say as someone who worked in, um, car repair for a while, this is gonna, my understanding as was told to me by the mechanic, so I think we're also just yeah, like just like very clear. But is like you can do things to damage the brakes so that they will slowly wear down and not be a problem until you're going at high speed. Oh sure, sure. Um, okay. And I think cut the brake line is kind of just like movie, you know, TV waving your hand over a much larger, complicated right. thing that. 30 seconds of brake line technology wouldn't be what the show needed. Mm-hmm. But also, yeah, I, I was a little thrown by that. What I was a little more thrown by is, but again, in the kind of like, it's a superhero show where she's going to heal people with her hands. I'm not going to worry too much about the exact physics of it. Um, <laughs> as far as I understand, there hasn't been a windshield built in the last 50 years that would break in such a way that a huge piece of uh, glass would on its own fly, you know, break. I, they shatter. Right. Um, They're designed to shatter. Yeah. And and here's the thing. Did I have a moment of, okay, that doesn't really fit? Sure. Did it pull me out of what was an incredibly emotional scene? Not in the slightest. Right. And did it bother me in any real way? Not the slightest. Because 
The idea that she loses her leg in a car accident, which makes total sense. And by the way, the idea of like um, one of the ways you can lose your leg is if the um, your leg doesn't have to be severed. If just anything happens to sever, uh, I think it's the femoral artery, but whatever's the artery in your thigh um, and your limb basically loses blood even just for a couple of hours, it may often have to be amputated because just mm. the loss of blood in just those few hours can can be incredibly damaging. Um, so all of that makes total sense. The fact that it's a big piece of glass, eh, yeah. who cares? I guess I would have crushed I, it, but yeah, yeah that's fine. I, I only bring this up because as anything that is woman-led, there's a whole bunch of people on the internet who absolutely hate this. Many of them have probably never seen it. Uh, some of them clearly watch enough to see that scene, or at least to see some other picture of the scene, because those parts of the internet are going crazy about the idea of, oh, this is so fake, it's embarrassing, it's badly done, how could you possibly oh, wow. do this? I've had two people come to me and be like, as an amputee, aren't you so offended by how badly this was done? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Um, are the physics of it perfect? No. Should anyone in their right minds actually care? No. Why? Like, I, I'm never going to be the person who, well, I, that's probably too offensive. If if you really care about granular details like that, and that's how you enjoy something. I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you then if you then claim that everyone should should focus on those granular details and not enjoy something if the granular details aren't right, I think you're, that that is it's just a really jerk position to take. How, yeah, and, and maybe I, it's just, sure. Yeah, no, I guess the how it happened isn't as big of a deal as how are they representing it post happening like the, yeah. the 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 reason to become amputated isn't as important as how you show an amputee post amputation <laughs> right well and even then i think they did answer if someone asked me how did she lose her leg i would say someone was trying to get to her father because of her father's criminal ties or or whatever or, yeah she said it again if someone asks me how did she lose her leg i'm gonna say her father was somehow connected to underworld stuff and someone tried to get at his family and uh, there was a car crash and in the car crash her mother died and uh, Maya lost her leg. Yeah. That's that, yeah. yeah. And like the fact that it's a piece of glass instead of maybe it should have been a piece of the dashboard or something like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I again, spent about two seconds say, on that. I was yeah. just like, where did that glass come from? Oh, well. Yeah. Moved on. <laughs> I, I will say the, the, the two little quibbles that I would have had. And one of them is just a storytelling thing, and the other, I'm, I'm speaking about my how I felt about how the deafness was portrayed. And so, again, people who are more of that community, let me know your thoughts on it. Um, first of all, though, just when she walks into the, her room and her mother is standing there, and it just looks like a person who is standing right there, it felt a little weird to me. Mm. Um, in that I, I literally had a moment of like, wait, is this some like – you never see the dead body. We kind of saw the dead body, but like if this can survive being shot in the head, maybe the mom can like, I thought well, the mom was literally alive. And <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish, I wish there had been a little bit of like force ghosty, like something to show that mm. this was a spirit or this was um, like, I don't think it's in her head. I think it was a real vision she was having, yeah. but something to show that this was like a vision of her mother or her mother reaching out through, I want to say through the veil, but that's a very kind of Western phrase of it i don't know what would be appropriate language but like through the echo yeah 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 that works which <laughs> um, i did love the way that they 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 make gave that her name that way yeah um the other thing that threw me a bit was i, I thought there were some 
wonderful, wonderful moments where they cut out all the sound to show that yeah. they're showing this from Echo's perspective. Yeah. But in a lot of, in a lot of them, then they had music. I oh, just like, sure. yeah, I, the music felt a little bit like they had to hold our hands a little bit and tell us like what we should be feeling in the scene. And, you know, I, I did have one deaf deaf person I who I'm friends with through TikTok, and I, I asked them about this. Their comment was like, "Well, I didn't hear the music." And I was like, "Okay, that's, that's perfectly fair." <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, sure, but sure, sure, you okay. know, which is I think a very valid position. But like, yeah, to me, I wish they hadn't had that. But again, those are two just like small quibbles, and I did think that for me as a hearing person. I thought it did a fantastic job of giving me an understanding of what she would, what, how she would be experiencing the world in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, Yeah. I, it's funny because I did like, as a hearing person, I do notice that, you know, Oh, this is from Maya's perspective because Mm -hmm. all of the fighting sound effects effects and the, and the grunts and everything are, are either muted or gone. But yeah, the, right. the music is still playing. I guess that didn't even click for me. <laughs> mm, yeah, huh. that's fair. No, well done. And different people yeah. notice different things. I'm sure there's so many visual things that I noticed. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just... How do you feel about the MCU now, having seen this? Um, I guess, I mean, I come out of it feeling the same way I do about every other um, entry of just like... What's going to help me under what's going to help me figure out how I feel about it is how this gets referenced in the next thing or like whenever mm-hmm. it shows up again, how is it going to get played from or like what are what have they introduced? What have they done that they're going to use down the line? Like Fisk running for mayor and um, sorry, I, I know my mic is picking up my dog right now. So I'm just cricket. People love dogs. It's fine. Please stop. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm looking for um, when's Fitz going to show up again? It's probably going to be Daredevil, but like, um, how is that going to play? The the mayor of New York. So he's going to, you know, he will have this perspective of the civilian um, compared to all of the superhero shenanigans that go on. So I'm excited for that. Um I uh as the M- I, I okay I don't have a problem with the MCU. I think I think they did themselves a disservice in the big picture of saying that this is the multiverse saga and these three phases are going to be all multiverse 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 whereas I feel like this is more of the expansion saga and mm-hmm. we're we're doing things like a moon knight and she-hulk and and werewolf by night and like these um shows and movies like Shang-Chi where it's like this all ta- this is all also happening within the MCU it's not just those yeah. core characters from the Avengers it's there's all these other things going on and um i am super happy to get more entries into this expanded lore kind of a uh thing mm-hmm. i just the the setting the expectation of multiverse saga uh really did a lot of the shows that are worth watching or 
have things that are good takeaways a disservice because they didn't feed into the multiverse aspect like nothing about echo says multiverse (laughs) and that's fine like (laughs) i'm I'm looking forward to her appearing in daredevil story and if daredevil appears like he's already appeared in a spider-man movie but if daredevil appears in an avenger movie at some point that's great i have no expectation and no need for echo to ever appear on the big screen you know yeah 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 yeah. i'm happy for it to be a smaller part of things yeah i i feel I still have superhero fatigue. I'm. Uh, I haven't seen Marvel. The, I haven't seen the Marvels yet. I'm very excited oh, for that movie. Okay. I think it's going to be really good. I just. I, did, I I've been very with COVID being bad again and stuff like that. I, I don't want to go to a theater, but I'll probably you know pay for it as soon as I can on Amazon or something like that. Um. And yeah, I just. I. I this makes me feel a lot better about the MCU. I, I feel Good. like the last couple of things have left me disappointed. This feels better. I'm going to just do a quick rundown of a couple of the last things I had, and then we'll close and do a member section. Um, My Baby is a Centerfold is just a classic, classic 80s song that I absolutely love, <laughs> that the lyrics, like most 80s songs, have not aged well, but it's still a great song. And I love that, like, you know, I think we often do think of, like, deaf people as being completely, like, I think it can be just, like, there is it's like hitting mute on your computer. But oftentimes there's still, like, you can be aware of vibrations or you can hear, as you said, sound is like, it's like it's turned all the way down, but still there. So the fact that the song was playing just made my eighties kid heart so happy. And the fact that she was aware of it, I thought was a really nice character beat. Um, I did comment early that I thought that we were seeing with Bonnie Chekhov's fire truck, uh, because they made a point of showing that Bonnie is a firefighter and she's there with her fire truck. And I was like, Oh, so clearly there's going to be a major fire and she's going to show up later. It turned out it was not Chekhov's fire truck. So that's fine. Uh, but I will say that the acting throughout this was top notch. One of my favorite moments may be Bonnie translating as someone is saying that he's going to kill Maya and Bonnie herself, because mm-hmm. I'm trying to imagine what that would be like to be like trying to act as the dispassionate, like, you know, I'm, I'm not here as part of the conversation. I'm just acting as the translator, but the words that I'm translating are utterly terrifying and horrifying to me. Mm. And just enough, like, it would be so hard to not get that right. It's so easy to not get that right. I felt just her acting there was utterly phenomenal. Um, love it. She kicks him, loves the, uh, uh, sci-fi assistive tech. And just as one little character beat, and this is the last thing I'll say. Oh, oh two other things I'll say. Sorry. Um, and then just two last things. One, it was very blink it, you miss it. But at the powwow, they had the American flag, and they also had the POW MIA flag, which, like, from, again, my very limited understanding is a very important yeah, – I mean, it's important in a lot of communities, but, like – there were an awful lot of Native Americans who went into the military and were drafted or, <clears throat> you know, wound up doing it because there was so little economic opportunities <clears throat> and are part of the that community of people who were never found from Vietnam. Uh, POWs are missing in actions. Uh, and I, I, you know, from the, the few other Native gatherings I have been to and from those who I've been friends with, they've often talked about how important that flag is in some of those mm. communities. So that was brilliant. And then the last thing, just as because there was no commentary about it, but it was so perfect having Wilson Fisk be connected to the Choctaw Casino because, oh, and again, uh-huh. I might be pro- projecting a lot here onto it, but I know that um, particularly in some of the areas I've lived in, like New York state and Wisconsin, but also in others, the fact that a lot of these casino, a lot of these tribes have opened casinos where 
the promise is that's going to bring real economic vitality to everyone in the in the tribal community. I think that happens sometimes, but a lot more often, a few people wind up getting a lot of the economic benefit, and instead, it, and then it winds up feeding gambling addictions among people who are already very poor and disadvantaged. And, and there's been a lot of commentary by Native American activists about like, are these casinos actually good for us? And is it mostly like white investors who are benefiting? And so again, I'm projecting all kinds of things. But to me, I read that as, of course, part of how Wilson Fisk would have first got connected to this community is that he's an investor in their casino. Mm-hmm. Like it just fit so perfectly to me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Will. Uh, we're going to have a quick member section. We're going to talk about some of the other Netflix MCU stuff and how it might show up or not show up, uh, particularly in terms of what's the future for Fisk. But for those who are not members yet, uh, hopefully we'll hope, hope you will become members. But for those who aren't, Will, where can they find you? Ooh, come and find me uh, on my podcast, Hype is My Superpower. Uh, it's me and Steve Storman just gushing about Marvel Comics primarily. Um, it's a lot of fun. I hope you uh, enjoy your visit. Uh, you can find me specifically as Silver Dreamer all over the place, primarily Twitch. Um, silver with a Y. And I build mm-hmm. uh, Lego and building bricks and, and model kits and book nooks. Also on Sundays, we read Marvel Comics. Um, yeah. And we're uh, we're in the middle of Original Sin, the 2014 crossover event. And it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Definitely check out Will's podcast. Definitely check out the stream. They're both awesome things. The link for those in the show notes. Of course, I am The Ethical Panda. You go to theethicalpanda.com. Or just find me on True Story FM. You'll find this podcast, the uh, superhero, uh, the Star Wars Heroes podcast. A lot of great things happening on both. Uh, we have finally, finally wrapped up our Rebels coverage. We're going through the original movies with my new hosts because this is me being dumb because I woke up early to do this. Uh, it is the Star Wars Generations podcast now because I've got two great new hosts who are uh, – where we have a millennial, a Zoomer, and myself, a Gen Xer. And we're having a lot of fun talking about Star Wars over there. Check all that out. And, of course, become a member. Uh, you get a lot more content. You get ad-free content. But most importantly, it helps keep the lights on. It helps do all the things that are necessary to make this podcast comment, con- content. And, of course, give us feedback. I'd love to know what you think of Echo. Uh, I'd love to know what you think of these characters, um, particularly if you are deaf or native or disabled or an amputee or any of those things, but also just whoever you are. We'd love to hear your thoughts. All the information is on the show notes. You can join our Discord. You can tweet at me. You can Facebook me. All those different things. So please check all that out. Please stick around for our member section if you are a member. And for everybody else, we have spoken. We have spoken.